I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. Did y'all miss us? Um, we're back this week. Dre, what have you been up to this week? What have you been uh, watching, uh, reading, listening to? What's going on in Drea World? Uh, you know, just the typical keeping up with... There's a lot to keep up with right now. Like, just an abundance of material. Not all good. Uh, <laughs> I saw... Last night I saw Invisible Man, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week or week following week. Um, the Candyman trailer looks so good. The Candyman trailer, yeah, I was up at 7.30 yesterday morning waiting for... I've been waiting for that movie for forever. And it didn't... It does not... Uh, Disappoint. Uh, it starts off with the Destiny's Child, say my name. So basically, this movie is, it, it's, that's a good omen. This I movie mean, is going to be a success. Can we just say, because I cannot listen to Five on it without it being creepy after it was in Us when they slowed it down. And I love that they did that with um, Say My Name for the Destiny's Child in the um, trailer nobody, for Candyman. I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, it was, it's such a direct, <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly, but it works so perfectly with this. And um, yeah, there's a whole lot of blackness in it, and clear. And I, the main thing I was worried about, I was like, they better not kill a bunch of white people in this movie because that was the main mistake made in the first original one. So it looks like they're actually getting into the backstory of Candyman, and I'm very much uh, like, I'm just here for it. Whatever they do with it, I think it's going to be a success. And, and it's a female director, a black female director, Nia DaCosta, and Tiana Paris is in it. Love her. Um, I actually saw Sonic the Hedgehog this week, which is kind of a scary movie because that theater was full of kids. <laughs> but I saw it literally because Natasha Rothwell was in it. Literally the only reason why I saw it. She's all in all of two scenes, but that was that was my draw. Had did, I had I seen had they put any of these people in the trailer? Had you had I known there were any like so many black characters? Maybe not so many, but there are well, there Tika are a few. Sumter and yeah. yeah, not so many, but two that I like. <laughs> um, I might have been more inclined to see it yeah i didn't hear i heard it wasn't bad it's just no i'm good no it's not great um i don't need no sonic in my life i did uh listen to the color grade this week they talked about the movie bad hair starring like kelly Rowland and um vanessa williams about a haunted weave yeah I've, i've been hearing about this for a minute but yeah i can't find anything about it besides um just good reviews and it sounds amazing like you I'm a, a hunted weave. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's another one called like, um, it was a short film and it was about like a, a hair, so black hair salon and a white girl comes in to get her hair done. It came out like last year, a year before. And it was like, she wanted to get box braids and it's like a horror film in a sense. Cause they're all like, we can't do this for this white girl. <laughs> I don't remember what that was called. Uh, do you want me to get into the act break this yes, week? Yes, please. Well, this week, our act one, I'm going to take over uh, Drea's iconic segment, Have Y'all Seen, with a movie called Triassic Attack, and I have a lot of bad things to say about it. Uh, our main discussion topic are, is going to this week be on the films VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars, and After Midnight. And our screen queen this week is Kaylee Curran as Abra, 
in the new Dr. Sleep. Act one. So I'm letting Tommy take over the reins for Have Y'all Seen, and he brought some absolute shite. (laughs) It's it's real bad. uh, Last week I had a gig in Austin, and I was having dinner with one of my friends, and we were talking about Um, Nicole Kidman's very questionable American accent. And she was like, she literally did a Have Y'all Seen and she was like, "Uh, what about um, Amelia Clark in Triassic Attack? And I was like, excuse me? And so she told me the the premise of the movie and I was stopped dead in my tracks, immediately got myself to Google. Now, Triassic Attack, here is the synopsis. A Native American mystic swears revenge when the president of a university takes over his ancestral land. He uses his powers to reanimate three dinosaur dinosaur skeletons and unleashes them on the hapless townsfolk, leaving the local sheriff and his paleontologist wife faced with finding a way to render them extinct once more. And I got a little bit excited, I'm going to be honest with you, until I realized that... There is literally only one Native person in this film. Also, Amelia Clark plays a Native American. She shows up at a frat party dressed up as Pocahontas, and her American accent is the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Now, let me just say, y'all better be grateful that this movie came out in 2010 and not 2020, because if it came out now, I'm sorry, but you don't get Khaleesi anymore, because Khaleesi's canceled. Like, Amelia- She's canceled already. Like, I can basically, I'm retroactively saying she's <laughs> she's terrible and she's canceled. You can't be native. You're English, whatever. She's Australian. Ugh, right? Whatever and she you, is. And, you keep, and it keeps creeping up in her accent every other word. Like, every other word is, it's an Australian accent. And she's talking about rain dances. Oh, my and God. She does a hey, ya ho, ya, hey, ya, powwow, fucking drum ass shit in the end. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. And ooh, and you I, picked this movie. I did. I uh, listen. Everyone better be glad that I was wearing my compression socks and I was drinking from my thermos of gin and tonic. Otherwise, I would have literally lost it. <laughs> so the so besides there being one, only one main native character, the only other person that looks native, the mom who has a tan, she's not. <laughs> the, it's the white, white looking like like the Barney Fife looking motherfucker. He's Sheriff native. Round Tree. He's the native guy who's related. His brother or cousin is uh, or something is the native Dakota. Amer- yeah, yeah, Dakota. Dakota is. And which shout explain. out to Raul Trujillo, who is the na- only native actor in this movie. Um, he start he actually came up in dance, and he started as the original choreographer and co-director for the American Indian Dance Theater, the first professional Native American dance company. Yes, as we were going, as we watched it at my place a few days ago, and I had all kinds of hot takes. I think in the future we're gonna have to record some of these live because I. I thought I was fucking hilarious, if I, and and I had you going too. <laughs> if I could have just uh, next time we will record transcribe some shit. ourselves, just to, just yeah. yeah, no, just a drunk and then just replay it back. I don't know, like just white claw all night and then <laughs> go for it. But um, I I, I live for this is the, this movie is only tolerable when intoxicated. Otherwise, mm. it's just uh terrible. There and there's dinosaurs in it. There's dinosaurs in it. Um, I mean, and the worst motherfucking special effects. I and mean, Tommy is, kept getting into, well, how? where is it? Because they're just skeletons. So he's like, so if they're eating something, where's it going? And I'm like, Tommy, we don't need to get that specific. And you can it. actually hear them like breathe and roar. And it's like, they don't have any soft tissue or vocal cords because they're literally just skeletons. So how come we're hearing them right now? But it all comes together because then the freaking pterodactyl combines with the T-Rex <laughs> and these 
these bones, once they're broken apart, they reform and it's like some Terminator 2 shit and, they're, and it's a flying T-Rex and, it, and then the whole movie is worth it. It I all just, makes sense. Right. Yes, then it all makes sense. To add insult to injury, this movie came out in November, which is Native American Heritage Month, which is another slight and I'm not taking lightly. Um, and I don't actually hate those sci-fi originals that much. Like, I think they can be mindless fun. I mean, we're talking about we're in the Sharknado universe of things where it's like you see actors who you haven't seen in 20 years playing completely superfluous roles. You know that special effects are going to be shitty. Like, you're not here to have a good time. It's like, it has to, it's like good, bad. But this wasn't even good, bad. This uh, was... Sci-fi, you know, for the last, uh, for a minute now, their channel has a... Uh... It's bad, bad. It's and bad, bad. And a lot of the originals. I mean, sci-fi puts out the equivalent of like whatever a Hallmark movie can be for sci-fi. Mm. So same thing with Lifetime. Like that's what they do. And people still come back for these movies. And once in a while they'll put out a gem. But uh, mostly it's just a lot of bad, bad. And this was uh, mostly bad, bad. And then it got kind of good, bad. Oh, and that's God. my that overall was a literal review. rain dance. Like what the literal fuck? I can't. I mean, and it rained I and it guess, worked. You know, a paycheck is a paycheck. But raw. And that I reminded mean, you knew me this was of happening. Uh, what is that movie? I, I was thinking of Father of the Year with JTT where, and Chevy Chase, <laughs> where they all the white kids are dressed up like little oh, Indians and yes. they're doing a rain dance. And yeah, that came to mind. I but. mean, the only thing scarier than this movie was, or the only thing worse in this movie was Amelia Clark's American accent. And listen, I listened to the um, the 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 uh, Terry Gross podcast with Ben Mendelsohn, who's in The Outsider. Which ooh, bitch, that shit is so good. Um, and he's got a really heavy Australian accent, and he plays American very well. I have to say, so we're not even gonna let her get a buy on country of origin. She's just shitty. <laughs> the only thing good going on with her is she's kind of thickums in this. Oh yeah, she does she have a little like, extra. It's cute. She yeah. got a little. She she looks a little Doja Caddy, <laughs> but like, but oh, the halter tops or whatever the fuck they got her wearing is, uh, it's tragic. It's yeah. real bad. Like those shirts weren't flattering on anybody back then. And also, this I it was so hard for me to actually see this. We got we saw it at Drea's because she actually has sci-fi. But like, if you don't have sci-fi, you can't actually see this movie on the internet. Which I'm you can if you know how to use the well, internet. I don't. <laughs> uh, it's not on like it's not on who. It's not on Amazon. It's not on iTunes. There's like no record. I mean, there is record of it, but like in the times we're living in, because everybody wants something very accessible. So if if it's not a click away, Mm -hmm. then it's very inaccessible. So I'm hearing the judgment (laughs) drip in your voice right now. I I hear this from so many people, and I'm just like, oh, we can't do all (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. I didn't enjoy a single moment of this except the fact that we were just cracking jokes the whole time. Yeah, it's 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 worth it's shits and giggles, and that's what we have to say about that. But fuck and cultural appropriation. Uh, fuck you, Amelia Clark. I'm sorry. I can't like Khaleesi no more. I can't. Anybody else can if you want to, but I can't. I just am not going to be able to look at her without her looking in, with a leather and feather and her hair and braids saying, I'm a quarter Native American. Mm. 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 And you brought this movie to everyone's attention. So what does that say about you, Tommy? I'm doing this for the culture. Oh, okay. Did I'm you doing do this, this for, for the culture? The culture? Yes. I mean, when I told Lauren I was going to watch this movie, she was like, my blood pressure went up when I read that description. I don't mm. even know why you're putting yourself through this. Uh-huh. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this for culture. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Triassic Attack, fuck you. You can go on fuck off and take Khaleesi with you. Thank you. Bye. Act two, main discussion. Um, so we have some fun shit this week. Um, I 
we were both very happy with these decisions. I'm actually excited to talk about these two movies, VFW and After Midnight. They were good. Yeah. I enjoyed um, myself. Yes, yes. So After Midnight, well, we're going to be getting into that. That's the second half of this. But we'll start with VFW. Yeah. It's uh, full of some on, uh, some some legends who have been around forever. So we got a cast of, first of all, directed by Joe Begos, who produced Bliss, which you can find on Shudder. Mm-hmm. Um the cast, Stephen Lang, who was in Don't Breathe uh, a few years ago, which did really well. Um, I don't know if anybody saw that, but it's like a group of kids break into this blind man's house, and he ends up, oh, being, it's a booby-trapped house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we got William Sadler, who was in Demon Knight. He's the guy that trades powers over. He basically is the one who gives Jada her powers. He's the one that's tracking down Billy oh, Zane right. the whole time. Yes. They he's got, also in Hunters. Uh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. in. We got Fred motherfucking Williamson, mm. uh, former Oakland Raider turned black exploitation star in, from Black Caesar, later on from Dusk Till Dawn. Loved him in that. Is he ha- yeah, I loved him in that one. Martin Cove, Last House on the Left, Death Race 2000, see, uh, Karate Kid. And then we got David Patrick Kelly, The Warriors, Wild at Heart, Twin Peaks, The Crow, Malcolm X, one of my favorites, Crooklyn. Mm-hmm. That was one of my childhood, like, coming-of-age stories. Uh, George went, cheers. And he was also in Bliss, and he got fucked up in Bliss. Yeah, uh, that was the one about like the vampire drug thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. So let's give let's give the audience a little bit of context for VFW. So, a typical night for veterans at a VFW veteran of foreign wars hall uh, turns into an all out battle for survival when a desperate teen runs into the bar with a bag of stolen drugs. When a gang of violent punks come looking for her, the vets use every weapon at their disposal to protect the girl and themselves from an unrelenting attack. Now. I didn't understand. I didn't know anything going into this. I just knew there was what well, the 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 what the yeah. girls were saying was that there was a lot of like bloody. There was some gore well, in this. I knew. I mean, okay. So this movie is assault on precinct thirteen meets street trash, mm-hmm. and I had to show Tommy street trash, which we're we're gonna have to cover street trash later because <laughs> uh, if I was shocked that he ain't never fucking seen that no. movie. Have y'all seen? Have not. Yeah, that's a and a. To our listeners, I, I know some of you know what the fuck I'm talking about. This was a John Carpenter overall tribute, and they did it in a beautiful way. Yeah. I mean, it was straight up. It w- wasn't a ripoff. It was just an homage. Yeah, there were a lot of references. One of the reasons why I really liked this movie was because there were a lot of references, but it didn't lose its own personal style in the references. I still, I thought it still was able to be unique um, and and be like a th- like kind of a throwback, but it also like situated itself within the opioid crisis. Well, they called it... Um, there's there's a drug going around and the slang for it is hype heads. Um, so you take this drug and it makes you go fucking nuts and whatever. And eventually, you know, like uh, street trash, this drug can lead to death and whatever else. And there's a... There's also like this element to it where, yeah, so there's this leader of this gang and this girl, after he kills uh, her sister, she takes his uh, whatever the last bit of this drug. And so we find them... In this, uh, all these young actors are working with basically some, not just veterans literally in this movie, but like veterans of this type of film. So there's a a sense of camaraderie Mm -hmm. between the actors that you really believe the entire time. Yeah. Also, this movie was released on Valentine's Day, which is really sweet. And it is a sweet movie. It's very sweet. I was really taken aback by how, I mean, in the midst of all the slit throats and the bashed in heads and the blown up body parts and the chainsaws and the impalings and like the double barrel shotgun bullshit, like it was so affectionate. You Mm -hmm. could tell that it was made with a lot of love and a lot of care that the actors had a lot of regard 
regard for each yeah. other. And they, the, but then the characters themselves also had a lot of affection and regard for each other. I was really blown away at how, and especially because it is so masculine, you know, that it was still affectionate, which is something that well, I don't that think is, we get a lot of. I mean, I see that a, a lot in, um, in I, that exists within those those realms like these these guys these old war buddies like they they are like that very much to each other and they play it up and it's to a certain degree like these guys really genuinely care Mm -hmm. about each other and it's more than just uh like they give each other shit there's some really fucking funny lines in this movie but um they're it's not just because they're good at what they do as actors it's because like they're they know each other in a sense. I, I'm, their careers have overlapped over, you know, over the last 40, 50 decades. Mm-hmm. These people know each other. Yeah. And they know those types of films. Whereas when you see these types of films getting done today, sometimes it's just hit or miss. And a lot of the times it's a big miss. And you see like the nostalgia and what they're going for. But these guys actually lived those movies. They yeah. did that shit so they can portray that shit like nobody else. And also these men were legible to me. My daddy w- was in Vietnam. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know do. these men. I've I've seen these men before. These men are my father. They're my father's friends. You know, they get together. They talk about the old days. I mean, because, like, it's trauma bonding, right? To a certain extent. Like, if you're coming out of war and you, like, the there's a younger person who makes his debut, or he, he comes into the bar and they're kind of, like, giving him a little bit of shit. And he's just like, I just got back from my tour of duty. And they're like, you know what? Nobody pays when they just get back home. So they get like, let, let them drink there for free. So it was like, I saw that like people of a similar experience having a lot of empathy and yeah. a lot of, um, and a lot of patience with each other. Mm-hmm. And the AV, I was reading the AV club review of this and it noted how it easily could have become like some sort of crotchety boomer, like these millennial snowflakes don't know shit kind of a thing. But it, it actually has genuine affection at its core. So it never becomes that. And you never hear it. It doesn't ever seem like, I mean, they know they're getting older, but they don't think of themselves as being obsolete. And the assault on the bar actually gives them the opportunity to become soldiers again or to, to feel useful again. Yeah. Like one last hurrah. Yeah. And, and they're down for it. Cause they, you know, they're all they're trying to do that night is just get to a titty bar and, <laughs> you know, so they don't have like big, big plans. And uh, yeah, so they're down to, you know, for the cause and, Boy, do they get into it. And it is. I mean, and like After Midnight, I thought these are both very small movies in the sense of, you know, they don't occur across that great of a landscape. You know, you basically like the setting for this is basically the VFW bar. Right. And so if there's like this idea of this sort of dystopian drug addled world on the outside and something a little more tender and and caring on the inside. And I think uh, After Midnight also was like a thing like inside outside. I, I was seeing like the, the encroachment of the outside world on this like inside space. Mm-hmm. And I thought too, like this was maybe, again, practical special effects. Like there was some great gore at the core of this within yeah, like you the You just affection. put blood all over everything and it, it's guaranteed to win a few people over. So they did that and then some. I mean, this came out. This came from editing. Fangoria, so they knew what we wanted. Yeah, Fangoria. They they tagged onto it because they knew what the, what was going on after after a minute, and they you know they'd seen Joe do Bliss, so yeah, this is this looks like something that they would definitely you know get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
the, overall the editing like they they don't take you too far into some of these stories like even some of the older films that this is trying to mimic they would sometimes give you too much information too much backstory on the on the other side you don't really need to know about these motherfuckers you know they're bad you know what they're after and you just want to know about the main characters and they did a really good job of that so you care about these people you don't give a shit about the other ones you want them to go mm-hmm. and they get through it and they get to it and it's fun I didn't necessarily find the like the sister thing, like the and the motivation there. I didn't think of that as being like the strong. I, I that allowed I her to come think, into, but I didn't really yeah, care about that part. I wasn't even thinking. Of, I honestly, I forgot all about that. That I yeah, I was talking about mainly the the older guys. Mm-hmm. I that part of the story, I I forgot about that actually. But um, doesn't it doesn't have an effect to the point where it it didn't stand out to me, so it didn't bother me. Yeah. And also, like, the idea that, like, this drug is kind of turning people into zombies or whatever or, like, turning them uh, – because they get so crazy. I thought about, like, that – like, I, was it the, 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 the drug that turned people into crocodile people? You know what I'm talking about? Where they got all dried on the outside. is like some Russian shit. I don't it's know. It's crocodile. Like, yeah. It was like, damn, that is actually – totally true <laughs> um what did you think about the gang lord because i think the drug you're you're, you're it's more like bath salts is uh-huh. maybe a crocodile was just a drug that like your limbs would fall off oh, that's all <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just saying it didn't make you go crazy it's just like you're crazy to do it yeah but it, yeah it was some bath salt florida shit i uh i thought well as a villain the drug lord he was just a studded jacket to me you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that, and that jacket was studded to hell <laughs> and then the, and his coat and his little sidekick the faux hawk bitch mm-hmm. uh, yeah whoever that was yeah they're just annoying enough you just you care about you don't care about them you mean but they're annoying and they they get on your nerves and you're and you're waiting for like them to finally get what's coming to them and it's very satisfying yeah when uh, when homeboy drives through him uh, as he's like, because he got chainsawed and he's kind of dying. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from Demon Knight, uh, William Sadler, yeah, yeah, and uh, he just like floors it, runs into to homeboy gangsta, and I was just like, man, that was a satisfying death. Mm-hmm. I just liked seeing that man squished in between two cars. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, overall, yeah, this was very enjoyable. I, you know, I hope we get maybe some more roles out of these guys because they have a lot more to offer and to teach. Uh, the they are our predecessors, and we could learn a lot from this. Yeah. And yeah, so um, that's my thoughts on this yeah, one. Yeah, so see it, and I can't wait to see the next thing that Joe does. Um, yeah. Let's transition this into After Midnight, um, because this was a kind of, this is, came out of Fantastic Fest, and uh, I remember... Uh, st- uh, Tribeca. Let's Tribeca. Go, yeah, yeah, I started at Tribeca in April, and then later on, it was in F- Fantastic Fest in the, later in the fall. Gotcha. Um after Midnight was a movie that, again, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to expect. And I was actually really surprised at how much I liked it, considering, you know, there's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. You know, there's like a lot of soliloquies and shit. So let me get, let me, let's go back. So After Midnight, I have been, I've been waiting for this film. I wanted to see it last year at Beyond Fest, but I didn't make it, uh, unfortunately. And it's got, uh, a guy from it who who has one of my favorite podcasts, last podcast on the left, uh, Henry Zabrowski. He's a really funny comedian and actor, and he does a really killer job in this movie. He's basically just playing himself, but he just he supports everyone so well throughout it. And it's a so it's basically the story of uh, there's this couple, and you've gone through it's been ten years, and now sh- and it was beautiful, and now shit's falling apart. Um, yeah, we get kind of some flashback stuff at the prime of their relationship, and then we get to the current 
some of it takes place in like the present where a man, a small town bar owner has been getting attacked by some kind of wolf monster every single night ever since his girlfriend left him. Mm-hmm. And again, like there's another like he's mostly barricaded in this house. Mainly it takes place in the first like half an hour of the movie. You're just in a living room with him and a shotgun and it's really beautifully framed. The colors are really like saturated and it, you, you feel kind of what this guy is feeling. There's loneliness mm-hmm. and but there's also like there's some shit going on. And it's so this is a horror film that's not really about horror mm-hmm. and that which typically that would that would bother me. Mm-hmm. It's a romantic film. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's a thoughtful film. And yeah. it's a film about a relationship that happens to have a monster in it. Right. And it's very fucking satisfying. Yeah. Um. And we'll and I'll get to that part. Like who I, I discovered who did the makeup for this shit, and this guy has a crazy ass rep, repertoire. It's fucking nuts. But um, you like the story as much as I did. Yeah, and also because I thought like the metaphor, the metaphoric quality of a monster attacking you at night after being left by a romantic partner that you've been with for ten years. I thought a lot about how how grief functions in this way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Amy Winehouse has that song, Wake Up Alone, where she talks about that silent sense of content that everyone gets just disappears as soon as the sun sets. And there is something about night that magnifies grief. And for a while, as these people are doubting him, um, and they're, I thought... that's what it was going to be. It was going to be sort of what the turning should have been, which is like, is this person actually experiencing a monster or is it all in their head? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of like... Um, fertile ground for for horror and for psychological horror and and also just for relationship stories. They they allow for um, the audience to they they let they don't tell us shit, and so you're thinking you know you're you're thinking down a lot of different paths. Who is this monster? The the girlfriend disappeared, so is she the monster? Mm-hmm. You know you go down all these different paths only to you know and then you discover uh, really what's going on between these two. Mm-hmm. You. Although it feels like you've been he's been sitting in this living room and without her for for months, maybe it's been like a week, maybe yeah. a weekend. Yeah. And everybody's like, it's, so they're fucking with us and you don't really have a sense of time. There are flashbacks. You don't know when it's present day, when it was five years ago, when it was two years ago. And that's so I think it's done so well mm-hmm. because oftentimes I was taken by surprise because I thought with with the expectation of it being a flashback and a present day thing sometimes we'd be in the present day and I, I would think it was a flashback mm-hmm. and especially when Amy the girlfriend comes back Brie Grant yeah yeah who was also in Halloween 2 and uh the, which we the, the Rob Zombie one. Oh god and she was also in Beyond the Gates with uh Scream Queen Barbara Crampton. Okay, okay, okay. Um, when she comes back and she kind of explains to herself, he's like, "Where have you been?" And she was like, "I went to my reunion." Like, like and, I told like, you, I was yeah. Going to. So it's like this whole time, it's just like, so she's like, "Yeah, I was doing this and having all these great times, and I fucking told you where I was going to be." And he was like, "Well, I was just here, miserable." Yeah, you know, I was like, "Well, who did that? Who that? You did that shit to yourself." Yeah, and it's like, it was so when you're this movie's supposed to take you down this path if you thought you were coming for a horror film, but really you're. All these other emotions come up. Mm-hmm. I was watching this with uh, a guy I used to date for for years. So we were both just sitting there just like mm-hmm. kind of laughing at this shit. And I was laughing a little harder at the parts when the girl got some quips in. Yeah. And he was laughing a little bit too hard when the guy got some quips in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, motherfucker, you know. <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, this is 
This is uh, very authentic. I, I believed her. When she comes back to him and she tells him, listen, I was in my, li- look, listen to all the things that I did. I saw a band. I went to, I, I, like, I'm the only person in my family who's ever been on a plane before. And you get the sense that, like, she didn't mean to stay in this town, no. in this small town. He trapped she wants her more out of life, yeah. but she ended up falling in love. And the thing about falling in love in your 20s is, like, and I think oftentimes, you know, you think that, like, if you're, if you're, if you're growing together, um, you know, she probably knew that he never wanted to leave town, but she was like, you know, maybe once we fall in love and like l- he'll want something he'll want different, more. he'll want more. And he'll still be inspired by me. Yeah. Like, yeah. But he got stuck and he got comfortable mm-hmm. and never. And I think like as a result of her never really addressing her need to to, to branch out, she, she just got left. resentful. Yes. Yeah. And I and when they have that scene where he's she's drinking the wine and he has a shotgun and they're in the open door. Like I remember I remember when we were talking about this before and you were like, I didn't hate the talking parts. No. You know, because it seemed so realistic. I was like, wait, I, I was I became aware of it. I'm like, well, there's a lot of talking in this movie. And I and I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, do I dislike this? And I'm like, no, I don't. No. And it all works. And it and it all beautifully wraps up. You know, we're not going to we'll do better about not giving away every single thing about a film. But this film was like it was wrapped up beautifully. And I don't want to say everything because I would like for you guys to go and see it and, you know, and then, you know, maybe we'll come back to it and we'll get into yeah. it. Or you can give us your opinions on it. But because because I because like the ending was so good. Yeah. That I don't even want. I want you to I want you to experience it. But there is some Lisa Loeb karaoke that he actually had a nice voice. Yeah. And he made a Lisa Loeb song likable. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't like fucking Lisa Loeb. And I would no just say that I got a little emotional. Uh, you say what? Because uh, <laughs> like as he's singing it to her, like the song is telegraphed so beautifully onto their relationship, and yeah. he's asking her to stay, and he's like, uh, you know, he wants to make it work, and you just mm-hmm. you kind of like don't know what how how that's gonna land, and then he starts singing the song, and you're like, mm, man, yeah. I would go home with you too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what were you? Gonna well, I was gonna say the dialogue. I just want to say again, I'm like, not only is this good for horror, it's good for any movie. Like it's so. Well done and naturalistic well, and evocative, and again, you believe that their characters talking to each other. It's a prime example of the reason I I'm I'm not just a horror fan; I'm a film fan. Yeah, and the reason I like I like horror so much is because I I see the potential in it and what you can do with it. This is a prime example of why you can't discredit or put this horror to the side and not you know involve it in certain award ceremonies mm-hmm. because there's more you can do there, there's more that happen in this film than you than you can typically do in your normal drama your yep. normal comedy yep. your normal romance yep. you can't have all these elements you can't have all these emotions you're not going to leave a movie feeling this way it's just not going to happen and it's only through the eyes and, and through a horror visionary that they can tap into certain uncomfortable things mm-hmm. and this and i thought that was so fucking smart that they were able to do that yeah I mean, um, shout out to Jeremy Gardner who wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. because I can't imagine. Well, I mean, here's the thing about scary movies and how they are completely discredited by a lot of more uh, people who are more concerned with prestige drama and shit like that. They, but they don't really know what the fuck they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and they do the same thing to comedies. Like they think that I don't know because something is lighthearted, therefore it is not worthy, yeah. or that because something is. Um, scary or intended to provoke a primal reaction out of you of fear that it is therefore unworthy. Yeah. I mean, just it's just the people that decide, make these decisions. They need to no longer be those people. Like they need to be, <laughs> uh, you know, get off your high horse. You, you're, these opinions clearly are very outdated mm-hmm. and this is the new generation and the new movement. Like this stuff is going to be 
taken more seriously. I, I, I know this for a fact. Yeah, I think like sometimes like when we're talking, I mean, maybe um, television has like caught up a little bit more because we're having conversations like about The Outsider and how oh, it is yeah. really well done. Um, and that like that we aren't necessarily having when it comes to features. Uh, I mean, there's just so much more room and you can you can just do about anything in television and you can you can be doing five different shows at the same time. It, it's nice what they allow actors to do these days. But um, but yeah, it has its it has its negative effects in in certain ways. I I want to see that more and more in films, and I'm happy to see uh, more independent films like this. This was a small small budget. Yeah. I'm not even sure what it was. The and the, the monster, which again we won't get too into. There there's a monster. Um, but the guy that did the makeup, so it was Danielle Burnett and Michael Burnett, and I think Danielle, she only has one credit, which is Sharknado Three. Oh <laughs> hell no, and which is also his. I think that this must be that's his daughter. Okay. But Michael Burnett, he did the makeup for Harry and the Hendersons, and he was on Rick Baker's crew. He did The Blob, nineteen eighty eight, Fright Night Part Two, that fucked up movie with Howie Mandel, Little Monsters, oh. Swamp Thing. Flatliners, he did a dissection cadaver. Mm. Ghoulies Go to College, he did the Monsters TV series, which you can find on Shudder. Dolly Dearest, Universal Soldier, he did the Nine Inch Nails Happiness is Slavery video. He did the show California Dreams, if y'all fucking remember that shit. That teen shit? Yeah, Ah. he did Heavyweights, he did Ben Stiller's Prosthetics, he did the Martin Short Show, the Ben Stiller Show, Mr. Show with Bob and Dave. Uh, and then Theodore Rex with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yes. He did the Bill Bellamy show, Lost Highway, Nowhere, Greg, Greg Araki. Oh, he did the All That uh, TV show, The Amanda Show, The Andy Dick Show, also Sharknado 3. And finally, Greg Araki's last TV series, Now Apocalypse. Mm. So this guy is the shit. And mm. and clearly, like, if he's easy to work with if he's been working with Greg Araki from 1997 till now, t- 2020. Um, I... This monster looks so fucking expensive yep. and it looked, it was just cool. It was genuinely freaky. Yeah. The other thing is that like, even though this this movie had um, an emotional undercurrent and it had, you know, commentary on the different, like the social expectations of like men and women, especially like in their 30s, because men can just kind of be ain't shit for long. But like women are like, e- I'm, I might want to have some kids. Like, I don't know. Um that it was all there were also some genuine scares mm-hmm. like when he's outside with the flashlight or, no it's not the flashlight because there's a scene where he's going outside at night and the only and most of it is dark and the only time you see light is when he's firing his gun mm. and i found that sequence to be actually scary and and disgusting there's a really gross moment as well mm-hmm. and when and then you know and like the ending too i think it's so well earned once the shit goes down mm-hmm uh, again, no spoilers. That I was, um, you know, sometimes when we talk about movies, it's difficult to actually say anything about them because they're not very good. Like talk about Fantasy Island, right? And Dre and I have kind of made it a, a after that yeah, discussion. Yeah, I that, don't no more shit movies that we don't like. Yeah, I, I did not enjoy that, and I'm sorry to you all for that. <laughs> but that like when when they're good and when we like them and we take the time to actually like investigate them you're like man there's so much good storytelling going on here yeah there's there's no um when you see shit like this like you want to shine a light on it mm-hmm. and there's and there's a lot of good content out there and you know we're, i'm just i'm i was beyond and i am beyond like ecstatic to to be able to put this you know out there a little bit it, on our little show like mm-hmm. i just want to make sure that sh- that things like this are always put in the forefront and yeah. they because it inspires me and it's and I'm sure there's somebody else who's going to hear see this movie and want to make something just as cool or yeah. cool you know like yeah. I'm I'm down for that yeah so, me too. 
So fuck the fantasy islands <laughs> and uh, yeah. And also I, I kind of now that I and the other thing about like really liking something is like then I looked at um, Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella who directed this movie. Mm-hmm. They also made The Battery, which was um, a zombie apocalypse and two um, people who used to be in like Little League together or something like that. So I'm really interested to see that movie now, too. And to look at, at what they do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for our main discussion, uh I think we're pretty summed up on that. We're feeling pretty good. Yes. Tommy's over here trying to show off his Demon Knight t-shirt to me. He, he wanted some acknowledgement of, of it, and I just get, didn't give him any until I right now. I know you now. did not, and I just came in here tits out. Like. Yeah, I'm just like, uh-huh. No, it's cute. And, get- and yeah, now I'm going to go listen to a Lisa Loeb song. I don't know. <laughs> Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Act 3, our Scream Queen of the Week. I'm super excited to nominate Miss, we said it wrong earlier, it's Kylie Curran. And this is her first or her, her second movie role, technically, but first big one. Mm-hmm. And she did an independent film like in 2017. And before that, she was she played Nala on Broadway, which is really sweet. Mm. Um, so uh, Miss Kylie in Doctor Sleep, directed by uh, Mike Flanagan, who also did Gerald's Game and uh, the house, uh, the hunting of Hill House. The TV show? Yeah. Oh, I loved that show. Yeah, I, I did not. Uh, but I'm going to go back to it and watch it again because I thoroughly did enjoy it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Something's wrong with people, but, but... we'll see. <laughs> uh, but the, so it's um, Baby Girls. Like I said, it's her second movie role. Uh, this one is, okay, not long after the events of at the Overlook Hotel, Danny Torrance, played by Ewan McGregor, is met once again by his predecessor, Dick Halloran. Uh, who never should have died that in that movie. shit. Oh, my uh, God. Because, I mean, how Stanley Kubrick just decided to take him out, even though he doesn't die in the fucking book. But who teaches Danny? Uh, he teaches Danny how to lock away the ghosts that are attracted to his light. Mm-hmm. He spends the next 30 years struggling with this gift, The Shining, and attempts to drink away and mask this light. It's Abra, it's Abra who finds Danny and shows him the way. Mm-hmm. This character is so fucking cool. Like, she has her shit together throughout, since she's a little kid, you just see, like, she just knows herself, is mm-hmm. aware of her energy, but she has to, she has to dull her own light to just keep people around her safe. Mm-hmm. And, like, her parents, they can't, they, although they love her, they don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And they, and she knows, because she's so fucking smart, she can't show this to just everybody, because, yeah, she'd be ostracized. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and hunted. And and hunted. Well, she, she doesn't know about that right. part yet. But as far as just the way she she feels the looks from other kids, because they and she they can sense also, you know, that she there's just something different about this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the the way that uh, she portrays Abra in terms of like, I, I I I watched an interview with her and she was talking about how like she played herself but more confident. Mm-hmm. That like there is a confidence and the, I, I, I don't think it comes from like childish naivete. I actually think it's like real earned confidence and bravery that, th- that this character represents. It says a lot that it, it, for her, this being uh, for the role it is. And again, uh, so early on in her career, she was perfect for this. This role is made for her. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, I mean, I'm ecstatic that it's a, 
a young lady of color. Like, that's super important to see that. Like, if I'd seen this as a child, mm. you know, I, who knows what, what my life would be like right, right now. But it talk- inspires me so much at 34 years old. Right. And we t- when we talked about Sweetheart and the director of that movie had talked about, like, he loved genre, but so rarely did he see himself in genre films. And that's why he wanted to make the main character of that a black woman. Mm-hmm. And again, like, this, I think it opens the doors, uh, it opens the possibility for young people of color who are watching this and seeing themselves represented. And she just has a light in her eyes that is so She's guiding beautiful. everybody yeah. the entire time. She's ahead of the game. She's fucking up hat bitch the whole time. <laughs> fucking her up. And it is hilarious. Um, also, Because hat bitch thinks she has the the drop on Abra. Yeah. And it's like, if, I, I almost wish I kind of had a backstory on hat bitch. Because like, maybe I'd be <laughs> like more sympathetic to her. I just have to say for those of you in podcast land, in our doc, it just says hat bitch in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> That's her name. Um <laughs> But she she's just a hater. And she's like, oh, I want what you got. The whole fucking film. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, nah, bitch. Like, you're not entitled to anything. And so she goes, she first she gets up, uh, she senses her energy, uh, Abra's. And then Abra, like, tracks her down. Abra's able to track her down in a second. Mm-hmm. And she's also able to track down Danny. Mm-hmm. She's the one who reaches out to everybody. She finds, you, it was Danny who was found by uh, Dick Halloran. Mm-hmm. But she is... She's the one with the control, this young right, lady. Right, right, right. And she's keeping Hat Bitch on her toes. And mm-hmm. the grocery store knocks her on her ass. That's mm-hmm. just fucking hilarious. Hat Bitch tries to come into her house. Into her dream or whatever, yeah. And when the, when she gets her hand uh, slammed in the drawer... Ooh, that hurt me. But <laughs> if, I don't know if you saw Gerald's Game, uh, which is on Netflix. There, That is about uh, Carlo Cugino uh, from... Uh, she played uh, Polly Shore's girlfriend and son-in-law. Oh, yes. Um and she's tied up to a bed for most of the movie and she has to uh, with the she basically she has to un- free herself from handcuffs and the skin off ooh, her hand and, and that happened it's it, so Matt, Mike Flanagan has a thing for this kind of shit and he knows how to like portray it in a way it's real fucked up I was gonna say in general that hand shit it gets me in a way that most other once people get stuff stabbed through their hands or yeah. like that ooh that just well oh. it's it's like Gerald's game is like that one scene like for an hour and a half it's real fucked up oof. um and uh, she also, after she they take out Homegirl's crew, she just walks through, bitch. Like I don't, you don't even exist to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's quite lovely. Like she, uh, she just knew her shit the whole time. Yeah, and I mean, I also want to shout out Rebecca Ferguson who played Hat Bitch, played her very creepily. Oh, is that her name? Yes, that's her name. <laughs> Um, but so, so Hat Bitch is the leader of this group, the True Knot, which are a bunch of psychic vampires who seek to find the people with psychic powers, torture them, steal their quote unquote steam, and then use it to prolong their own lives. Um, but I, but I would also like to shout out in uh, Hat Bitch's crew, Zam McLaren, who played Crow Daddy, and he's also in Westworld, <laughs> and um, Cliff Curtis, who's a Maori actor who's in Fear the Walking Dead. So imagine there being some actual indigenous people playing indigenous people in a film. <laughs> there's some good, there's some really good kills in this movie, really gnarly, like awesome deaths. There's a lot of killing, but there's just like, there's a couple of kills that should not have happened, which are... I, uh, whatever I'm not gonna I won't say it right now but whatever you know who it is like there's two kills that were completely unnecessary mm-hmm. should I say it doesn't yes, matter let's just say it uh, the dad shouldn't have died and oh. Dan's friend shouldn't have died oh right because that's when um, snake by Andy tells him to kill himself yeah it's fucking stupid because he he didn't he didn't ask for any of this he Mm-mm. was just coming out there to help he was being and, a good friend and the dad he had the dad is too cool and it makes no fucking sense to kill the dad to knock out the dad would have made sense not to kill the dad mm-hmm. I mean 
he literally had nothing to do with the storyline. He was brought into it for a second. Mm-hmm. And to kill her father like that is just like, it was just like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, for what? That was like a, that was just for dramatic turn. Yeah, and it didn't help. It was no. just, it just pissed me off. No. And just like, it was Because it very... didn't make her character more motivated No, she was already motivated. All, and now she just has like this, she has a bitterness inside of her, maybe a little bit, but it's like, she didn't need that. She mm. she already had this edge to her. And anyway, it was unnecessary, just like when they killed Dick um, Halloran's character in The Shining. Yeah. Uh, but when they killed Lil Boy from... <laughs> Lil Boy. Oh, <laughs> that, that was fucked was, up. I didn't enjoy that at all. Not that I enjoyed death, but like... The screams. A kid screaming like that is... Yeah. Ooh. He's a little boy in uh, Good Boys, I believe. Yeah, and, um, and some other shit. And He's, some other shit. I like him. Uh, what else is he from? I don't know. He played like a little little league player, and the true knot picks him up. Oh, he's in that movie Hush, which so I think Mike Flanagan. My oh, that's what it is. He's in Hush with uh, that. Uh, it's a little boy that he has these dreams, and then butterflies and things come okay. out of his dreams. Okay, yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. that too. Okay, gotcha. it's not a good movie. I but. mean, I barely saw it. Um, but I also want to, oh, for Abra, so um, Mike Flanagan asked about the idea, was asked about the idea of a sequel, and he was talking about he would like to do a sequel with Abra, and that Stephen King is also interested. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it ends in a way where it, this her character can just keep going on and on and on, mm-hmm. and they say there's so many more of these things out there, and, you know, she needs to, Abra needs some more adventures, for sure. This was also of the Stephen King fair Last year, I think, was the only good one because I didn't like it. Chapter two, and I fucking hated Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, because they did those remakes, and I was like, mm, not into it. But- I mean, there's always there's always so an abundance. Always every year, there seems to be some kind of Stephen thinks something coming out. Mm-hmm. If he's not writing something, then somebody's adapting something, making a short film, whatever video game. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> um, but Pet Cemetery, yeah, that was a terrible remake. Oh, it was so bad. Um, I can't, I don't know if I saw something worse last year. I didn't even realize it. I thought it felt like it came out a few years ago to me, but it was last year. Yeah. And um, I remember, yeah, I saw it. I was like, oh, that was, yeah, I just put it out of my mind. Yeah. And then it, but it too was so, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentionally funny, but it was funny. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this one came through and, in a, and, and, and it had a lot. Big, big, big shoes to fill. Yes. This was a big deal. When I first, when I realized what this was, when I first saw this trailer, I was just like excited for the idea. I was also like, this could be bad. Yeah. Like this could go wrong. And I think, well, the um, Mike Flanagan did a really good job at taking the film The Shining and marrying it with the book Dr. Sleep. So we're still somewhat in that visual, in, in, in Stanley Kubrick's visual world to a certain extent. But it's not like derivative necessarily and also like Stephen King very famously hated The Shining mm-hmm. I mean because Stanley Kubrick did whatever he wanted to do with it where this one honors Stephen's writing it's more it's more true to his writing and the ending was more like what the ending of The Shining should have been in the mm-hmm. sense of like that's what Stephen King wrote and yeah. I understand like adaptation the nature of adaptation is that some you don't always get you're not always in charge of but, it I but I mean but what St- Stanley went oh, he's he was cuckoo and mm-hmm. he also made a Homegirl in the movie, what's her name? Shelley Long. Shelley, oh, he, yeah. He, yeah, we talked about Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. He made her go crazy he, like throughout the movie. Like she literally lost her mind by the end of the movie and is still not well since that fucking movie. Like, it's like she a started fact. losing hair. Yeah, yeah, like he he was terrorizing her on the set of that movie because he's a dickhead. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but it was a it's a good movie. But and, when but you understand why it's a good movie because what was going on the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and Stephen King, famously six foot four, I believe. What? 
<laughs> How the fuck did we get there? <laughs> uh, I don't want to so, think of him like that. That's nasty. Abra, thank you for being our screen queen. Also, uh, uh, the actress Kylie Curran. She um, she's also a scary movie fan. Her first scary movie was when she was ten years old. She saw Gremlin, which is Gremlins. Gremlins, which is uh, uh, famously what Dre dresses up for Halloween a lot. It's me. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm a gremlin. It's true. <laughs> So thank you, baby. Hey, guys. Uh, For our coming attractions, we wanted you guys to get a little head start. So we'll be talking about uh, everything from Invisible Man, the Netflix new series, I'm Not Okay With This, the HBO series, The Outsider, and two more films, Seven Stages to Achieve Eternal Bliss that has Taika Waititi in it mm. and Extraordinary. That looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so catch watch up. Him. Yeah, watch them now because I know sometimes you don't want to listen because you want to be spoiled but like we're just telling you now this is what we're going to be talking yeah. about. So. And we say we don't want to spoil but we can't help our I know because we do. We're trash. <laughs> <laughs> Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. With theme music by Doc Allison. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S on all relevant social media. I'm Drea Washington. You can find me at Hey Girl Hey. That's H-E-Y-G-R-L-H-E-Y. You can find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast. And on the internet at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. Send an email to ScreamQueen at gmail.com. That's S-C-R-E-E-E-M, three E's, at gmail.com. And we might answer your questions in a future segment. And in the scary movie of your life. You better scream, Queen! If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.